these are not people to emulate. Yeah. Um, these are not people who are perfect. The, there's no doctrine or, or theological truth being taught here. What we have to do is we have to insert that in from other parts of the Bible. This is Fixed on Jesus. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fixed on Jesus podcast. Today, as always, uh, our faithful fans, our legions of fans, they know this, where I'm joined as always, by Mark Johnson, who's across the table from me. Hey, hey. Uh, and Heather Corbett, across, behind the glass, our production coordinator. Pew, pew. And my name is Rich. I am... Mark and I generally just sit here and talk about stuff that people ask about. And so we're going to do that again today. Mark, what are we talking about today? Uh, we have a good topic in mind. But before, I was just going to ask... Um, yeah. Something looks different about you. Something looks different. Something looks different. Okay. And it's, it's a good thing. I, okay. I'm a big fan this of symmetry okay. and, and seeing Oh, so my things. face, are you making fun I of my face, I was not, Mark? but now that you yeah. brought it up, it looks like the left side and the right side of your face are they symmetrical match. now. Yeah, they match. So, they didn't match before, but they right. did now. So yeah. are you making fun of me because I got Bell's palsy? I, I don't think you have Bell's palsy. We already went Not over right that. now, I know, but like, are you just making fun because I'm I... I'm just making fun of you because it's fun. Okay. And, well, and it goes I, both ways. I am glad. I had Bell's palsy for a month and I'm glad now to be able to speak. I'm glad... Um, I never took for granted, I took for granted, like just smiling and laughing and when yeah. I couldn't smile and laugh and I couldn't speak, it was really odd. Yeah. So I'm grateful to be able to be back and grateful to be able to have a functional right side of my face. Um, yeah. When I saw you during that time, it took a visual adjustment. Yeah. Right. But now your face is it just looks the same. Great. That's good. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> so yeah, our topic. And I'm so um, glad we got to share that with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so our topic is how to read a biblical narrative. So we're going through the book of Esther, which is a biblical At narrative. At our church, yeah, right. Yeah, so I thought it was a be good timing, but there's some things that I was hoping you would clarify, yeah. um, whether it's rules to interpret, but also where does the meaning lie sure. in the text? So if you want to dig into well, that. Well, one of the things we need to realize is that uh, uh, biblical narratives and are, what are other books that are yeah, narratives too? Yeah. yeah, biblical narratives make up a ton of the Old Testament and a ton of the Bible. We've got a good bit of narrative in Genesis and Exodus, and then Joshua all the way down through Esther is biblical narrative. That's essentially biblical history. Mm. So if we don't understand how to interpret biblical narrative, we're going to have a whole lot of the Bible that we don't really understand yeah. what's going on. And that's not what we want, right? right? And so, and the rules for biblical narrative are different than say the rules for interpreting Paul's epistles. Yeah. But one thing that's the same is meaning. Meaning, the meaning of the text is derived from the text, not from what I feel, right? Okay. I can't ask, what does this mean to me? I need to ask, what does this mean? 
What does God mean? Well, what is the word? What yeah. do the words on the page mean? Yeah, Why? Yeah. What's the purpose in having this written down? Why was this written and not something else? Right. And so there is like when it comes to the scriptures, there's one interpretation and many applications. Mm. Um, and so sometimes the interpretation of what you know is going to have a, we're going to have a hard time understanding what that is. Yeah. But the uh, and the applications are they can be varied, but there is one interpretation. And so, so you're saying it's subjective. It's subjective, yeah, okay. exactly. And you, and that's easy in, um, it's easy in the in an epistle, like when you when you hear Paul say, "Rejoice with those who rejoice." You don't have to go. Well, what does he mean there? Yeah. Well, he means that when someone's excited in your life, you should be excited with them. Yeah, very simple. I'm excited about your face. I'm glad you're excited about my face. You're more excited about my face than I am, I think. Um, and so it's explicit. It just tells you what to do, right? And it tells you how to, like, okay, go go for it, right? But a biblical narrative is not that way. A biblical narrative is is a, it's a story that is, that teaches in a very different way than we're used to, right? And so I, there's, uh, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart wrote a book I can't recommend completely, but is okay. It's called, it's good on this point, but it's called um, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Mm. And um, is that hermeneutics? It's hermeneutics, okay. yeah. Hermeneutics is just the science of or the study of interpreting the scriptures. And so a narrative, for example, a narrative is not going to tell us what to do. A narrative does not teach a direct doctrine, right? Mm. So whenever we read a biblical narrative, it is not teaching a doctrine. Um, and so it's not teaching a biblical truth necessarily explicitly. Um, and they tell you what happened, not what should have happened. Um, they tell you not why. what ought, not what ought yeah. to happen. And they don't explain often why it happened. Mm. And so what we need to do as interpreters is come to the narrative and say, oh, okay, what was the right move for so-and-so here? What was the wrong move? What was motivating them, right? Um, and, you know, it, generally when you read a biblical narrative all the way through, you're going to find that in the scriptures, um, every human has their feet of clay and every person is, is flawed in some way. Um, and the hero of every narrative is God. Mm-hmm. So we read it wrongly if we think the hero of a narrative is a person in the story. So, for example, um, there's it's it's kind of a trope now, but you know there's a lot you hear about these stories like Daniel and the lion's den, and the theme is not dare to be a Daniel. Mm-hmm. The theme is look at what God can do to I mean look at how God saved somebody from certain death. Yeah, He's the God who rescues. Mm-hmm. He's the God that closes the mouth of lions, right? Yeah, and so that's a very different take than just dare to be a Daniel, right? Yeah, um, or you know, dare to be David and get a, get a sling. And what is your giants in the land that you need to, to that you need to conquer? And, and what do so you need inserting to Inserting yourself into the narrative. Yeah. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. It's about him. And so narratives don't present people who are necessarily good examples for us. Um, we don't, we're not often told in fact, in narratives that, uh, that the people are good or bad. We we're just, it's just, here's what it says, right? In fact, if we see in the scriptures in a narrative that says something like, um, that like passes a moral judgment, like 
that communicates somebody's good or bad, it's a massive, massive deal, right? For example, when the, the when Moses says of the people of the men of Sodom, he says they were exceedingly evil. That is one of the rarest things you'll ever find in a narrative. And so you've got them passing judgment. Moses is telling us what to think about the men and their character. That you don't see. You don't see in the book of Esther anywhere that says so-and-so is evil, so-and-so is good. But you form, like you accidentally form some of those opinions as you're reading that. Sure. And, and, and you know, we're, the way we read, um, a, lo- a lot of times, especially with the book of Esther, we read Esther as, as the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways, she was a wonderful heroine, but she shouldn't have been put in that position. And the reason we know that is not because the text says, and she shouldn't have been put in that position, but because we know the direction that God gave the people of Israel in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And both Mordecai and Esther were not faithful Jews as the book opens. Mm. And so because they're not acting in in a a way that would be faith, that would be in keeping with the covenant keeping God. I think it can be confusing because narratives are not going to answer all of our theological questions. What we have to do is we have to come to them saying, okay, what do I know about the rest of the Bible? And are these heroes, are these characters acting in line with the way they should? Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so in spite of Esther and Mordecai not, and this is for, from Esther, despite of them not following the early scriptures commandments, they were yeah. still used by the Lord. Absolutely, and and that's one of the that's one of the reasons narrative should be so refreshing to us as Christians to study today. Though we're compromised, though we fall short, the Lord still uses us. How mm-hmm. do we know? Well, we can see Abraham, right? Yeah. Think about Abraham. Abraham was from Ur. And his wife was named Sarai. And so they were idol-worshipping people who God called from Ur to go to the promised land. They weren't looking for him. He called them, right? And God promised that he would make Abraham a great nation and he would bless the world from his seed. He promised it. So it's one of the most significant passages in the Bible in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Abraham, in whatever way this happens, he hears directly from God, knowing that he's going to have a child through Sarah. Abraham twice, when he's faced with trials, communicates that Sarah is not in fact his wife, but his sister Mm. to protect his own neck. We say, okay, here's this guy who should have known better. Here's this guy who saw from, who, who heard directly from God. And yet to cover his own skin or to, to, to protect himself, he said, she's my sister. So, so that he didn't get killed. Now, yeah. what is encouraging about that is like, man, he's just as messed up as we are. Yeah. Right. He's not, there is no biblical character in the old Testament. That is an example for us to follow. Mm. They're all flawed in different ways. And you understand what biblical narratives are when you begin to understand that they're not communic. These are not people to emulate. Yeah. Um, these are not people who are perfect. The, there's no doctrine or or theological truth being taught here. What we have to do is we have to insert that in from other parts of the Bible. Yeah. And it's a it's a very different it's a very different way of interpreting, say, a, an epistle. You know. Yeah. You know, if we're reading Paul, we don't. We just take what it explicitly says. So like, for example, when we see in the narrative that um, David had many wives, that that doesn't mean that it's okay to have multiple wives. That's just yeah. stating David had many wives. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, their, their imperfections 
are part of what makes it relatable to us. Like Jesus was perfect. We'll never, we're called to be more like Jesus over time, but the characters, not characters, the people, the people yeah. of the Old Testament were imperfect, but still being used by God, imperfect and flawed like we are. Yeah. Well, and you got to realize also that the, the authors of the narratives, they don't just present this dispassionate history, right? They're not including everything that happened in the history of either these people or the nation. Mm-hmm. They're including specific things so that we can understand. Um, and we need to say, okay, why is this included and not that? Yeah. So that we can understand, here's the move of God working through this particular situation. And so what are we trying to, what do we need to take away from this, right? Yeah. And so it's much more subtle and it's much more nuanced. And I think it can be misunderstood, especially because most of us as Americans have gotten the moralistic kind of teaching that says, uh, be a Daniel, be a David, yeah. be a Joseph. Slay your giant. Yeah, all that kind of Fight stuff, which lines. is, I mean, I, I mean, there are good examples there, but not holistically. Right. And yeah. so um, that's that's one of the things I think is important, even as we come to Esther. And it, I know it can be different for people, but um, it, it it is it. it I, I, that's that's how we we read the book. And we realize, yeah. OK, well, you know, here she is. Um, she should they should not be in Persia. They should have gone home because the prophet told them all to go back to Israel and they didn't. Mm. Now, she was probably too young. She didn't make the decision, but Mordecai did. Why are they there? And Mordecai's name is based off of a a Babylonian god named Marduk. He's Marduk man. That's what that means. And so why is he named that? Why are they still in Persia? Why did he allow her to be taken into the king's harem, who is not a, who's not a follower of God, who's not Jewish? One of the biggest things, one of the biggest, most massive things there is in the Old Testament is don't intermarry. And yet he allows his niece to intermarry. So you've got Promotes all, it, really. it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's got all these things in the book of Esther that go unanswered. And we have to think, okay, well, why is this here? Yeah. Um, and, you know, God uses imperfect people to bring about his perfect will. And that's what we see both from Mordecai and Esther. Awesome. Love it. So, yeah, that gives us some clarity on how to interpret a narrative. And we're going to do some other episodes on how to interpret other biblical types of stories and writings. Excellent. Well, if somebody wants to get in touch with us and ask questions, what should they do? What should they say? They should should approach us on the street. No. No? No. Well, they can if they want, but... (laughs) I don't often just walk around on the street. You don't? No. You look more like a bike rider. I ride my bike, (laughs) but I'm not looking to stop and answer questions as I do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, how will they get in touch with us? Through email. Email. And what would that email be? Production at centergilbert.com. And then when we go on the podcast and answer some of the questions you'll hear. Is that the email bell? That's the email bell. The email bell. The email bell will ring and... Uh, We will answer the questions. So I hope you have a great day. Thank you.